0: Amen. well it's always good for the pastor to get a break and and uh, but part of my responsibility part of my uh, ministry is to really develop and give God's uh, the giftings that God has put in others to serve alongside of us to give them the opportunity to share and, and to and to really minister what it is that's on their heart and so Cornell being the youth pastor really functions as as an associate pastor and and every other media director and telephone coordinator, and I mean, you name it, he's the computer guru. And so uh, I wanted him to, we put this on the calendar a couple of months ago, and so he's been praying about it. Minister, I believe he's got a word from the Lord this morning, amen. So why don't y'all stand up and welcome your youth pastor, Cornell Jones. <clears throat>
1: This sounds. It sound good. Sounds good. I don't like these things, but. Amen. Well, it is definitely good to be back here. Let me tell you, there's nothing like home. Um, And just, you know, I just really started, you know, just crying during worship, just because, you know, there's just such a, just a presence of God here, such a unity, like Jeremy was saying. And to be honest with you. A lot of times when I go someplace, you, you feel the spiritual climate there. And, you know, the, the time, my time in Michigan, although I got to see family and all those things, I missed just being here. Just being with family, being with brothers and sisters. And we Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well... I don't want to waste too much time, so I just want to jump right into what I feel like the Lord's really put on my heart, and I feel that it just goes right in with everything we've been declaring and prophesying and everything this morning, and that is discipleship. Amen. So discipleship is something that's, that's been on my heart for, for a while to really talk about, and the Lord's been kind of saying, okay, well, do I really want to talk about it from this angle? Do I want to talk about it from this angle? But what's really on my heart to do is I kind of want to take a slightly different approach to talking about discipleship. I'm not going to give you the the textbook definition of what it is. I'm not going to give you what it means in the Greek or, you know, I'm I'm not going to do that. But really, I kind of want to talk a little more about what discipleship does. So if we could get the first slide up, buddy. Amen. Um, All right, let's go to the next slide, bud. So I'm going to be looking primarily at three things. What is discipleship? Why make disciples? And what does it look like? Um, Like most things, you know, they all kind of interweave. So you may start here and then you kind of, You know, you start on what is it, then you end up saying, well, what does it look like? And then you end up talking about, you know, why do it? So I have some order, but just give me some grace. I'm probably going to jump around a little bit, all right? right. (laughs) Just a little bit. Bob and weave, just a little bit. All right, so what is discipleship? I just, I want us to think just for a second before, you know, I go into all of this. I just want us to think for one second, what is discipleship? What is it? What is it to you? What what comes to your mind when you think of discipleship? All right? And it's my heart that as, as we go forward, that the Holy Spirit really shows us his heart for discipleship. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you that this word is your word that you've placed in my heart to share. I thank you that that you have prepared us, your people, to receive everything that you want us to receive. I thank you for open ears, open eyes, and an open heart, God. That as I said, above all else, my heart is that we walk away from here with a greater understanding of your heart, and not just with a greater understanding, Father, but with the desire of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so what's discipleship or what does discipleship do? This is the Cornell definition, all right? Just from what's been poured into me, what I've seen, what I see in the word, and obviously I'm going to use scripture a little later, But this is is what it looks like, this is what it does to me. In discipleship, one commits to pour their life into another. To be there for them, to teach them what they have learned in life, to pray with them, to cry with them, to laugh with them, to love them unconditionally, to point them to Jesus, to help them find their identity and purpose in life, to correct them, to warn them, to encourage them, to share life with them. And one day, they will in turn do the same. So that's the, that's what I've seen in my own life. That's what I see. If I, I mean, really, I could keep going. The list, it really goes on. I just tried to consolidate some of what discipleship does. Just some. And... I was going to say this later, but I'm going to say it now, and if, I, if the Holy Spirit brings it back up in my mind, I'll say it again. But what does this look like on just a practical, everyday scale? Most of you, if not, well, most of you have done this. It's with your children. I mean, you look at that list, you should be doing all of that with your children. I mean, that's that's what it looks like. But... If I look around at the church especially in America I feel that there is an aspect of discipleship a lot of this that's really not happening to the level that I believe the Lord desires it to happen. Um, Okay I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's let's go to the next one alright. So Here we see Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is um, starting his ministry, and what's the first thing he does? He goes, and he selects, he, he, he chooses out 12 men, and he makes them into something. He makes them into disciples. Um, In Matthew 9, 9, it it says, he saw a man named Matthew. He said to him, follow me. What what presence? (laughs) You know, just to go up to somebody and say, follow me. Not just presence, but there to be something in you that I see. And it's almost as if, not necessarily, but it's almost as if I want you to initiate something with me. Ask me to go fishing something because you got something. You're you're cool, amazing, whatever it is. You know, that there's something I see in you that I want. So we see they don't even say anything. It's not like Jesus put a spell on them and said, follow me. You know, he didn't do that. I mean, they're just living their lives out. You know, uh, the other verse. Um, where he goes uh, to Andrew and Peter. They're fishing. And he just goes up and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It doesn't say, th- there, there's no in there where it says they started arguing with him and said, oh, no, you won't. No, they just followed him. <laughs> you know, what presence and what, what a quality that they at least got a glimpse of, even in that statement, for them to say, I'll follow you. Okay? Um, we look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 11:12, he says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." So this is interesting. Jesus gets to say, "Follow me," period. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else gets to say, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Because it's not the me that you're following. I'm in pursuit of someone. Jesus, and you can follow in that pursuit. You know, you're going to see things maybe that don't look like Jesus. Well, give me grace for those. <laughs> and I'll give you grace for those things that I see in your life that don't look like Jesus. Bring some correction and whatever it may be in love. But follow me as I'm following Jesus. Um, he says to Timothy, the things you've heard from me, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we see... Um, the New Testament doesn't go into a lot of detail on, you know, all of the disciples that, that Paul made, but we know that at the very least, Timothy, Titus, you could say Silas, I mean, Silas and Paul were in prison together, (laughs) in jail, prison. So, I mean, you're going to do some bonding when you're in jail together for Jesus, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's going to be some things that happen. (laughs) That's right. Um... But we see that not only Jesus, but Paul, and I'm just using these two examples for time's sake, they poured their lives into people. I mean, just think, Jesus had 12 men. He ate, slept in the same vicinity, um, you know, uh, taught. You know, he, he did miracles in front of them, with them. I mean, for three years. I mean, every day, I mean... Jesus had to just get away to be with the Father, and then he came back, and it's the same thing, over and over and over. I mean, just think, what does that look like, you know? I mean, I've been poured into, you know, off and on for the last, i see, I'm about 11 years, so eight years? But that's, you know, maybe several times a week for a couple hours or something like that or whatever that looks like. But we're talking every day for three years. I mean, that is a lot of investment. A lot. And again, we don't necessarily have all the numbers for Paul, but he poured into a a lot of people as well. Um, So let's go to the next slide. So the perspective of discipleship that I want to focus on today is discipleship as being pursued. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. I've touched on it already just by talking about the way Jesus initiated relationship with the disciples. He initiated it. He didn't sit in the temple and just wait for people to say, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, will you uh disciple me?" He was intentional he pursued them I believe that Paul did the same thing it's not to say that people won't come to you and ask for you to pour into them but what the Lord's really put on my heart is I, if I look out at the church if I look at Jesus's example I believe Paul's example I don't necessarily see a discipleship that is passive does that make sense I don't see a passive discipleship. I see actually a very intentional pursuit of an individual for the intent of initially relationship with them because everything else is going to come out of that. Everything else is going to come out of that relationship. So what that looks like, I'll use myself for example. Here I am, I get saved right before I turn 20. A year later, I entered the military. That was the Lord's work right there. Because I had, I mean, if you would have, uh, if you would have known me years before, I mean, there's, you would have been like, he's never going to join the military, ever, no. Last person on the list. But, you know, the Lord had plans that were greater than mine. So I I joined the military. I, I had been saved a year when I joined the military. By the time I made it to Valdosta, Georgia, let's say a year and a half had passed, about two years into being a Christian, I finally had someone approach me. I didn't even know what discipleship was. Discipleship? What do you mean you're going to disciple me? What does that mean? I don't know. But it was through him saying, hey, uh, how about you spend some time with me, you and your friend, and, you know, we'll get something to eat and, you know, do whatever. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Free food. I mean, something. You know, I mean, at that point, you're just like, I don't know, but but what it was, is someone showed an interest in me. They saw something, either they saw something in me or they were simply being obedient to Christ in them. And they said, you know what, I'm going to pour into you. I'm, I'm going to choose to pursue a relationship with you and pour what God's poured into me into you. That's my choice. You either receive it or you don't. That's, that's really, I think sometimes we've almost turned it into, well, I've got the goods. If you want them, come to me, and I'll give them to you. If, if you're not serious about it, yeah, hit the door. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes there can be that approach. And I'm not saying that's an extremely bad approach, but I just don't necessarily see it biblically, is what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? <clears throat> So discipleship as being initiated, really, by the person who's going to be pouring into the individual. All right? So so the reciprocation of that pursuit is following. So we see Jesus saying, okay, come follow me. But the reciprocation of him initiating that pursuit is them following. Does that make sense? It's almost as though you may not have anyone following you as you're following Christ if you don't ever intentionally pursue someone. Does that make sense? If you never pr- pr- pursue them, then you're never making disciples because there's not a the relationship that's been that's been developed. So I want us to think, just in the back of our mind, who who or what are we pursuing? Sometimes we can be pursuing something... And not really pursuing Christ as we ought. And because we're not, we're not doing what he's, his design is for us to do. So I want us to look at the, the why. Why make disciples? And we can come to the most basic conclusion. that Because Jesus says so. <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the most basic, clear-cut answer. You know, in Matthew 28, 19, he says, go. First, before that, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. So we start There. My mind says, okay, well, not only did Jesus command it, but he did it. (laughs) I mean, he modeled it for us. Not only did he do it, we see Paul doing it. And I've been the recipient of that. In my first church, I had no clue what discipleship was. In Michigan, I I didn't know. I come down here in Valdosta and, you know, discipleship touched me. It wasn't, okay, I read the Bible, I see this thing about discipleship, let me go find out, you know, what it's about. No, it pursued me. See, because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given us, so if his heart has always been discipleship, his heart, he pursues us, he pursues relationship with us, then if he's in me and I'm pursuing him, I'm going to pursue others. If the plan hasn't changed, how are we doing in carrying out the plan? Discipleship's the plan. It says go and make disciples, period. I mean, that's, it's, sometimes I've found that when things are too clear cut, we want to complicate them. Does that make sense? Like the whole, if it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> but we have that mindset. It's like, oh, well, there's got to be something more. We, you know, there's got to be programs. There's got to be services. There's got to be outreach campaigns. We've got to do all. No. The crux is we have to. No, you don't have to do any of those things. Our response is simply to pursue relationship with people with intentionality. And everything else, yes, as the, as the Lord says, hey, you know, I, I really want you guys to reach this community. Okay, well, just throwing an evangelistic bash or whatever, well, that's, that's okay. It's not bad. But apart from relationship, the, the fruit yes. is going to be very minimal. Jesus it was all about fruit. He says, um, you did not choose me. Here here again, this is Jesus intentionally pursuing them. And if he's in us, he'll show us who to intentionally pursue. So he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I've appointed you that you should bear much fruit and that your fruit, or that fruit, should remain. So his heart's always on bearing eternal fruit. And he shows us that there's a, I I, I really believe that the Lord just wants to bring us back to the simplicity of discipleship, especially from the standpoint of someone who's been touched by it. Because now you have the goods to go and do the same. Does that make sense? People are born, disciples are made. I wasn't born a disciple of Jesus. (laughs) I was born a person. But it took a process to make me into who I am. And I can't give myself credit for, I'm sorry, I can't give myself credit for any of it. Really. I mean, all of us are the culmination of other people pouring into us. I mean, we just are. We would like to think that we could take a lot of credit for it, but we really can't. I mean, I mean, you know, if we weren't um, bottle fed, we were fed some other way, you know. (laughs) We grew up, you know, you're still being pampered at a young age. You know, you've got somebody changing your diapers. I mean, you've got someone teaching you, whether it's you know, head start or you started in pre-K or kindergarten and you're being taught your whole life, you know, we never really stop learning unless we choose to. So what can I really take credit for? So why do I say that? Because it, it helps us to understand that I have something, you have something that somebody else needs, you know? I want to go back and just talk a little bit more about you know people pouring into my life specifically from a spiritual standpoint so I could go back as far as my grandma pouring into my life and that's an interesting take because I had no clue what she was doing at all not an inkling of what was going on I mean I'm like uh, you know in my mind I'm thinking are you done yet can I can I can I watch cartoons? I mean, what are you saying, Jesus? Okay, every time you say Jesus, you cry a little bit, because I'm like, I almost got to the point where I was like, man, every time Jesus talks about, I mean, every time my grandma talks about Jesus, she cries. I mean, I almost was like, I wish she stopped talking about Jesus, <laughs> but just because I didn't want her to cry. But, I mean, that's kind of a memory, I'm just being honest, that, that I had. But, but as it went on, as I got older, those seeds that were planted started to grow into trees, and those trees started to produce fruit. The thing is, is I didn't realize, I didn't need to realize that seeds were being planted in my life in order for fruit, eternal fruit, one day to, to happen, to, to grow. Does that make sense? Um, I've had one, two, three, I would say about four men pour into my life. And I can honestly say that I wouldn't be who I am or where I'm at without those individuals who have poured into my life. I just wouldn't be. Like, it's easy for people to look at me or, or any person who could be standing up here and just see them. But I don't want you to just see me. I'm talking about discipleship. I really want you to understand that I am a, a result, not only of, you know, what the Lord has done, but if we're his, his body in the earth than what he's done through his body so I I want us to really my heart even for myself is that we get back to a simplicity that that discipleship is key discipleship is key we talked about the world in prayer uh, during worship you know we're we're talking about the world and the world needs us (laughs) I mean Desperately. Just like me with my grandma, I didn't know what I ne- I didn't know that I needed what she was was giving me that was Jesus, and the world doesn't know. You know, they they're drowning. And sometimes we focus on everything else instead of the fact that they're drowning. What does a drowning person need? Just reach out your hand pull them out of the water so that they're no longer drowning, and now we can work on everything else. <laughs> but first, just stop the drowning process because <laughs> you're not listening really to anything else i got to say until you stop drowning. Um, as we look at the state of our world, are we simply acknowledging that there are problems or we position ourselves to be used by the king to be part of his solution? And again... His solution, I really believe, is discipleship. It's relationship, pursuing relationship with someone to pour your life into them. Does it cost? Yes. Is it costly? Yes, yes. (laughs) It is. It costs time, money, resources, pride, (laughs) because it's going to require some humility. Because the closer they get to you, the more they're going to see you <laughs> and not Jesus. Even though they're following the Christ in you, they're going to start to see more that's you. And that's fine. Because as they get closer to you, you're going to start to see more of them. Um, I, uh, when I look around at people my age or around my age, so we'll say, plus or minus 10 years, so 20 to 40, for the most part, we're not here. We're just not here. And the ones that are, those are normally the committed ones (laughs) at whatever level of commitment you you would think that they're at, but they're just, they're not here. Sometimes I think that I don't want to say this. I'm not proclaiming this. I'm simply stating it as something that I see. Sometimes I feel Satan does a lot better job at pursuing me in my age than the church does, than the body of Christ. Why? Does he have something that we don't? don't? He doesn't have anything, really. It's all a lie. It's all counterfeit. All of it. None of it's real. Yet, you look at, again, just I'm just using my, you know, males, for example. From 20 to, say, 40, Satan has been pursuing them and continues to pursue them. My question is, is what are we doing as far as that pursuit is concerned? Are, are we okay with just kind of taking a step back and saying, wow, this world is going to hell or look at the state of our nation. I, I was I was glad when you started praying for our nation, and and ultimately the conclusion was, pray. I mean that's that's the conclusion for our nation. But for the individual, yes, I pray, but I get to pursue a relationship with that person because ultimately that's what's going to change them. Saints, not just praying for people and expecting something to happen. No, he's pursuing them. He's he's prowling like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. My question is, is, where is our pursuit of those who need what we have? Do we realize we have something that they need? We. I'm speaking to myself as well. You know, just in going through this, uh, you know, just kind of the process of kind of saying, okay, Lord, what are you really saying? What are you saying to me? <laughs> a lot of times... You, Sometimes it's easy to get up here and think, I'm just talking to y'all. No, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to myself. Because I, I see where really, even though I'm saying this, uh, I'm doing it, but am I, am I really doing it? Is, is it really that thing that God is just stirring in my heart and out of the overflow? Am I really doing it? I was going to, yeah, I'll mention it. Politics. How does this tie in? Each four years or eight years, I ever want to look at it. Whether it's uh, the Democratic, you know, nominations or Republican nominations or the primaries or whatever it is, we look on TV and we're like, wow, you know, this is the state of our nation or this is the state of our politicians. But really, they're elected officials. They're really just a representation of the nation. I mean, when we look on TV and we don't like what we see, well, really, it's we are part of that. But I don't want us to just hear all this and say okay well what well then what do we do or almost feel hopeless as though well there's nothing to do there is we we not only know the solution but he has made us part of it like we are part of that solution like our nation yes they need Jesus they need Jesus but they need us they need us we're salt and we're light. I always, whenever I, whenever I hear that verse, you know, that, that we are the, the salt of uh, the earth and we are the light of the world, I think, well, then that means that the world is saltless and lightless. That, that, can you imagine a world where there's no light? So you close your eyes, there's, there's nothing. And all the food, everything that you eat has no flavor that's horrible. But we have that. We. It's Christ in us. We have it. We have it. So if, if you don't hear anything, I want you to hear that as a Christian, you have the answer. You have what the world needs. And it's a lot simpler than we make it seem. So much simpler than we make it out to be. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be, quote, unquote, an evangelist. You don't have to be any of those fivefold gifts. It's just what's been poured into you. Find, you know, if you're a woman, find a young woman. Pour into her. If you're a man, find a young man that, that doesn't have a father. Do you know how many fatherless men there are in this nation? And half the time, there's a lot of the wrong men trying to fill the void of a father for them, than there is us, the church. We have what they need. Alright, that's enough about politics. I, I was thinking about it the other day and it just, it didn't go well in my mind. So I said, I don't, we're going to touch on politics and then we're going to get off that bad boy quick. Our young people need us. They need identity, purpose, direction, love, relationship. Again, the list goes on. Everything that Everything that I talked about as it relates to discipleship, what is it? What does it do they need? I just even think of my youth. A lot of them either don't have fathers or the father's not there. So that means that as the church, I can't be, I I can't fulfill that role in every single one of their lives. I need help. I need help. I, I can't fulfill every single one of them in, as far as that role is concerned. It's the same way for women. I can't. I'm not a woman. <laughs> can't do it. I need, I need your help. Like, they are going to be the next leaders doctors, lawyers, politicians. <laughs> it's them. And I want us to understand that, yes, it takes time. It takes time. And it's costly. But anyone can do it. You can do it. Amen? Uh, I want us to watch a video. I like this quote real quick right before we watch the video. It's a a really short two-minute video on discipleship. Uh, it says, we're called to be fishers of men, not just keepers of the aquarium. So, to me, this has two aspects. The keepers of the aquarium can almost be, almost, I'm not saying this is what it says, can almost be, well, you discipling your kids. But it, it's not God's design for it to just stop there, or with them. Does that make sense? Because he's called us to be fishers of men. Um, can you pull up the video
2: real quick? Ever wondered why Jesus' last command to his committed followers was to make disciples of all nations? Have you ever wondered what it would look like if Christ's most committed followers today actually carried forth that command according to the standard set forth in the New Testament by Christ and the Twelve? If an evangelist were to reach a thousand people a day for Christ in a frozen population rate, can you imagine how long it would take to reach the world for Jesus Christ? Just over 15,000 years. And imagine the spiritual maturity of these new converts, most of whom receive no real follow-up or discipleship and end up never reaching their full potential in Christ. However. If a committed follower of Christ, we'll call him Paul, or to disciple a new believer for one year, we'll call him Timothy. To the extent that Timothy matures in Christ until he is able to disciple another. For as Luke 6.40 says, the student will become like his teacher. So then, in year two, Timothy has become a disciple himself and takes on his first student while Paul takes on another student. By the third year, our Paul is discipling his third student, while our Timothy is discipling his second student, and our newest student is now able to make disciples as well. If the cycle is not broken, a spiritual downline is created which multiplies to the ends of the earth. Even at an accurate and growing population rate, do you know how long it would take in such a scenario to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ? Just under 37 years and now imagine the spiritual maturity of these believers, all of whom have been equipped to both be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. This is why Christ's last command to his followers is not to make converts, but to make disciples of all nations.
1: Wow, isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not entirely, I mean, I, uh, I even though I took calculus my first year of, college I, I don't remember any of it so I, I couldn't necessarily go back and double check the math <laughs> to see how it's not it's not basic you know just arithmetic I mean it's going to require something complex to try and see okay if this person has this person and then they multiply and this and I was like I don't know but I tried to do it a little bit and you start to see that once that thing starts to branch out again it's it's saying that if Each person literally makes a disciple, one disciple a year, and that disciple makes a disciple, that disciple makes a disciple, with an unbroken chain, 37 years. That's with a growing population, right? And I said, no, there's no way. I'm just like, there's no way that 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 could even be close. And even if it is, isn't, even if it was close, to say it's 100 years or 200 years, it's still, that's just one person starting. Well, Jesus started with 12 really 11 if you subtract Judas because <laughs> he didn't make no disciples. <laughs> he just did it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny, but it, it was 11. Um, there had to be a process where a disciple was made, but it didn't make a disciple. Does that make sense? If Jesus started with 12 in three years and then they made disciples. So my thing to you is this. I was, I was thinking about the the children of Israel, that the journey to the promised land took them 40 years, 40 years. You know how long it was, the Bible says, to get to the promised land? 11 days journey, 11 days. So what, what would have took them, if they would have just done it, not, you know, murmured, not. Basically being wicked and disobedient to God in the wilderness, and all of them except what two perished in the wilderness, it would have taken them eleven days. So I did just, you know, I can do this math now. So I took 40, I timed it by 365, and I divided it by eleven. It took them one thousand three hundred and I think 27 times longer to get into the promised land than it should have. And all of them died, except two. So, if one person starting this process if the chain was unbroken it would only take 37 years I'm not saying I'm not trying to put a timeline on when Jesus is coming back that's not what I'm trying to do okay I do not believe in that at all I'm just simply saying that Jesus knows what works not just numerically but relationally what, what bears fruit that remains He knows. Amen. So I I just thought that was an interesting little video. I just, again, we can get caught up in thinking, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, just maybe you don't necessarily have that office of evangelist. But really, discipleship is evangelism. It is. Again, he says, go and evangelize the world. No, no, no. Go and make disciples. It's it's there. It's there. Amen? So what does it look like? This is one of my favorite questions. You'll probably hear a lot as I preach in the future. I, I like to ask that question. Because we talk about all this. Okay, 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 okay. Well, what does it look like? What does it look like? Um, I think it looks like Discipleship, it looks like whatever it needs to look like. Within reason, you know. Paul says in Romans 13 8, love fulfills the requirements of the law. And he also says in 1 Corinthians 9 22, to the weak I've become weak in order to gain the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. I look at Jesus, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. A friend of sinners. What are they accusing us of being? At the very least, call me a friend of sinners. Does that make sense? A few years back, the Lord really started to deal with me as far as it related to this. I was in the military, obviously. Everyone in there cusses like sailors. You know, I mean, you hear about everything they did on the weekend that you don't want to hear about. You know, it just, but it was there that I felt the most like salt and light. It wasn't necessarily easy, but it wasn't sterile. Sometimes we've mistaken holiness for sterility. And what it means is that we've chosen to be sterile to the point that we are sterile in the sense that we don't pr- reproduce. Does that make sense? We've chose to be so sterile, clean that we no longer we're I mean that we no longer reproduce because we're now sterile. <laughs> Does it make sense? I just I see a discipleship that's it's dirty at times. But it's fine. Because the heart with which you're doing it is love. So if that means that I'm pouring into people who don't know Jesus at all, that's fine. I used to think that in order to disciple somebody, they had to be a Christian. It's not true. It's not. <laughs> At least it's not biblical. So that, that's really what I want to say. I, I don't want to just say, make a truth claim on my own. I don't see it biblically. I mean, we can attach a term to it and say, well, it's pre salvation discipleship or whatever. But um, it's just not biblical. <laughs> It's not. What slide are we on? I haven't been looking at them. Let's go to the next slide. It's easy. um, It's easy when we see people or around people, they're not like us. They don't look like us, talk like us, dress like us. They don't know the lingo. I mean, they just... They're just not like us, it's easy for us to, again, we just isolate ourselves from them. Let me find a little group of people that got the praise on, look like, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we just forsake the church and you know, all we're doing is being in the world. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is this. This is where I get built up. This is where you pray for me. I pray for you. You know, we, we praise the Lord together and we go out and we reach people who don't necessarily look like us, don't necessarily talk like us. Don't, they don't know who Jesus is. Or if they do, they use his name as a curse word. I mean, it's... But he still loves them. He died for them. And my heart, as we leave here is that we really have caught his heart towards discipleship, towards the world. And that my heart is that if, if, if it can be said of Jesus that he was a friend of sinners, my heart is to be as well, because that's the only way I'm going to reach them. That's the only way I'm going to be able to reach them. Um, last slide, I believe it is. Yes, so I just want to end with discipleship is pursuit again. Sometimes sometimes we'll say, you know, so-and-so used to come to church, but they don't come to church no more. I don't know why. I know why. At least I know one reason. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I do know one reason. A lot of times there's problems relationally. Some relationship issue so and so said this about so and so whatever and to be honest with you a lot of people look this is what I want to leave you with we mature in an environment that that there's some tension that that growth happens when there's some something's rubbing you know it says as iron sharpened well, Iron sharpens iron, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of another. So if I want to grow, if I want to be sharpened, there's going to be some of this, really a lot of this, (laughs) that happens. Because rust builds up quick. What happens is, is if there's not relationship, then this becomes something that I'm averse to. I don't want this because this is all, I I, I don't know that you really care about me. I just hear what you're saying. You know, Brinson, an individual who always pours into me, says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I I guess I'd
0: rather
1: rather people know how much I care than know what I know, because if they know I care for them, they're going to want to know who I know. They're going to want what I have. Amen? Amen? Amen well that's that's really all I have. I want I want to end in prayer um, but that's that's really that's really what the Lord put on my heart. Amen. Amen, well let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that discipleship is your plan, not mine. It's not our plan it's but it's yours. that you started, with disciples. And really, we're the result of that. And Father, in your word, you just say, you say, go and make disciples of all nations, Father. And we choose to say, well, that's us. I can do that. That that starts here. It ends up with all nations, but it starts with my family, with my kids, people I work with. I go to school with that there's a world that is hurting lost dying and they're buying the counterfeit from the enemy when we have the real thing so father I, I ask that you would so deposit into us the reality of who you are and who we are in you and that because you're in us we have what the world needs (laughs) we have it we have it I thank you Jesus and we just say that we love you (laughs) and we need you that we can't do this thing without you And that we need each other, that we need each other. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: Good. You know, as he was talking about being in the world, I felt... um, (laughs) I felt. Uh, I don't know if you felt it, but I did. I felt the when he flashed that picture up and you saw all that, and he said that Jesus was called the friend of sinners. What are they saying about us? And I was like, God, that hurt. What are they? What are they saying about us? And that really stuck with me. And I wanted. And the Lord said this. In the Bible, it says that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. The problem with religion is that we don't want to be in the world at all. We We don't want to be of the world. We certainly don't want to be in the world because it's dirty and it's messy. And so a message like this really is a springboard message into some things that we're going to begin to talk about from hear about where God's where God's t- reminding us of some things about who we are as believers and so I just want to say this if you're not intentionally now he could, I don't necessarily say that he may have wanted to say this but he didn't say it, so I'm going to say it because I'm your pastor and because I love you I'm going to say it like this if you're not intentionally pursuing someone, people You're not being obedient to what Jesus said. And that's hard. It's tough to say, because you know, well, God's a God of grace and mercy. Yes, He is. But you can can still partake of grace and mercy and be disobedient. You can be born again. You can go, that, that, that video was priceless. Because he said how many of those have been, listen, I've been around this for a long time and I can tell you I've seen more fruit from discipleship than I've ever seen from evangelism. Let me tell you where the real explosion happens is when you get an evangelist to get a bunch of people born again and then you get the church to grab a hold of them and begin to pour into them. Now you've got a concoction that's dynamite for the kingdom of God. Who are you intentionally pursuing? He wanted to leave you with something. That's what I want to leave you with. Who are you intentionally pursuing? Because it wasn't a suggestion. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. Jesus didn't suggest it. He didn't ask you if you wanted to. He said, go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. Who are you intentionally pursuing? Other than your family. See, I'm going to take that one away from you. Other than your family, who are you intentionally pursuing? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the word. Lord, there's really no way for us to really... Say, well, this is what I want to do. Because this kind of word, this is a lifestyle that not only you portrayed to us, but you asked us and told us to now participate in. And so, Lord, for those who have never experienced the relationship with purpose and intentionality, don't even know what discipleship looks like, I thank you that you will show forth to each and every one of us, give us light, and insight into what that means for us. That's the first thing I pray, Lord, that you would each individual person here this morning and that listens to this message would hear and see what it is that you want them to see. Thank you for light and revelation. At whatever point on the scale of revelation that is, I thank you for that revelation for each and every one of us. And now each and every one of us are accountable for what we've heard. So I'm praying that, first of all. Second of all, I pray that those that have experienced it and know what discipleship looks like, I pray that you would help us to get up off, off of our tails and to begin to engage the people and intentionally pursue those around us. And thirdly, I'm asking that you help by the Holy Spirit, all of us engage and be more intentional starting today. We'll be intentional with the people that are around yes. us. We'll, be, we'll have our antennas up. Alright, Lord, who do you want me to pursue? I pray that we all go home today and begin to meditate in the week, days and weeks and months. Lord, who do you want me to pursue? Who is it that you want me to be intentional with? Because that's when we will begin to fully step in to the great commission of what you've called us to do. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen. Listen, y'all have a wonderful weekend. Remember, we don't have anything Wednesday night, but we will have church Sunday. God bless you.